Coming up on Money Beats Friday, financial food fight. We are talking about the F word. That's right, the F word, believe it or not. And also, the Panama Papers. What is going to be the fallout? This is Money Beat. Everything you need to know about money and the markets, and then some. Now, financial food fight. Welcome to Friday. Welcome to the food fight. Welcome to the studio, everyone. Paul Vigna, Stephen Grosser, Jack Otter here. Chuck Jaffe, as always, calling in from Beantown. Chuck, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me again. This podcast would not be the same without you, Chuck Jaffe. Uh, I'm just glad that you could take a break from your busy minor league broadcasting career to spend a little time with us. Anything for you, Paul. Oh, there you go. All right, uh, we're going to talk about something. I don't want to. I don't want to build this up for you too much, folks. I don't want you to get too excited. Too excited here on the food fight. We're going to talk about something that uh, I would say is. Uh, it, this is almost like the broccoli of the financial markets world. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. Boring but important. But it is important. This is very important. What happened this week with what is called the fiduciary standard is something that is going to affect probably all of you, actually, quite frankly. Uh, It's not quite as important as the Rogue One trailer, Grocer, which which dropped this week. Yes. Uh, That was extremely important, Rogue One. For for a certain, you know, Paul Vigna, it was, you know. It was key. It stopped. Everything stopped. It was key. And I'll tell you, just, just to let you all know what a, a hard gr- editor Stephen Grosser is, uh, I had to redo an entire post because I tried to get Rogue One in as a reference. Just No, no, no. Reference is underplaying what you did. <laughs> he, I asked him to write a post about why the Dow totally is outperforming. Five paragraphs into the story, I didn't even mention the Dow. It was all about Rogue One. And the uh, I don't know. Ro- Rogue and One it, is a cartoon superhero? <laughs> no, it's the new Star Wars movie. Uh, Not only that, he also referenced the, like, the original Star Wars movies in that as well. Uh, it, it was um, it was elegant. You do not ask. Paul, it was elegant. You do not get in the way of Paul uh, uh, pontificating uh, about. Unfortunately, Star Wars. folks, you're never going to see it. But trust me, it was an elegant post. Uh, all right, let's talk about what we really came here for: the fiduciary standard. <laughs> this is something that Jack Otter feels strongly about. I prefer to talk about it as the F word because then you get people's oh. attention. That's, you should have told smart. me that before. Yeah. All right, uh, start over. Start over. Forget everything I just said, everybody. Uh, we're talking about the F word, Jack Otter. So what's amazing is that this was ever controversial. And the only reason it's controversial is because a bunch of cuff-shooting salesmen are no longer going to be selling really bad high-commission <laughs> products to vulnerable old people. Right. I mean, let's and, face and, it. That's it. If you're not familiar with the fiduciary standard is, everybody, this is a uh, – sort of a, a loose rule depending upon whom you are in in the brokerage world that says you have to put your client's interests ahead of your own. And and I'm not up on it. Maybe you guys can, I, I know some types of brokers have to meet that standard and others don't. It kind of the well, easiest way to describe it is depends on the letters after your name. So uh, an RIA, a registered independent advisor has to, a CFP yeah. has to, lots of others have to. But Basically, overgeneralizing, brokers do not. Right. They right. are supposed to, by law, sell you a suitable product, and that definition, frankly, was pretty loose. I mean, mm-hmm. a lot of people were selling products that I would never call suitable, and yet that was legal, but under the fiduciary standard. Now, uh, uh, an investment advisor has to act like a doctor or a lawyer, basically. No, he doesn't. Oh, well, he doesn't. it's true they loosen the he standards, has, but— he, he only has to act like a fiduciary. The person— he, I would change it differently. I don't care what an advisor calls themselves. And I've written two books on choosing and working with advisors. An advisor 
who is selling advice has to be a fiduciary. If they're selling product, that's when they were allowed to do a suitability standard. In other words, if I'm selling you something, is it suitable for you? Is it appropriate for you? And, yeah, there's plenty of stuff that I would not have considered suitable that was getting sold under that. Mm -hmm. But what this did with the Department of Labor is make it that a, an advisor who is working with you on a retirement investment has to do it for retirement, but they don't have to do it for everything else. So somebody who is not a fiduciary currently will have to live up to a fiduciary standard if they are putting together your 401k plan, but they will not have to live, it up, live up to it if they are selling you insurance products or something else along the way. That does not help. Now, the FCC Why? Why doesn't working, that help? It helps to a point, but the answer is if you are looking at going, okay, let me see. I, I want to try to improve my retirement income, but I'm going to do it through an annuity. That's not considered a retirement product if you're not buying it in a retirement plan. That's where half of the misinterest and misaligned stuff happens, and you're not protected there. So congratulations. All we did was confuse the issue. Now you think you're going to be protected. It, un, unfortunately, I mean, I, I'm all in favor of the fiduciary standard. Arguing against the F word is basically like arguing against motherhood and af, apple pie. Oh, and and I'm the all for it. That's the pull quote it, for today's podcast. It shouldn't, have been, it shouldn't have taken this long. But the SEC is working on its own fiduciary standard. It has been for five years. It may never come to the point where it gets that forward. This is still going to take another 18 months before it's actually activated, you know, and we're going to wind up going through comment periods. And, yes, everybody should be on board with fiduciary. It should be clear that everybody is working in your best interest. But mostly what is going to happen here is the rich are going to get a lot richer because the way you're going to say something is in my best interest is basically, ooh, is it cheapest? Could you have sold me something cheaper? It's going to push the money to all of the cheapest investment options, which is not necessarily a bad thing, but it's also going to make it that much more difficult for somebody to get advice in their retirement plan that's truly tailored for them. Because the court standards, this makes it a lot easier for an advisor to get sued, and the court standards are going to be such that, hey, did you put them in the cheapest thing? Did you do whatever? That's what's in their best interest. So ultimately, as much as I love the rule, no, it didn't go far enough and it's incomplete, and because it's only the DOL and not the SEC, well, we still have plenty more to go. I still think a lot of grandpas and grandmas are going to find that their advisor wants to play it safe and puts them in a mix of low-cost index funds and doesn't sell them any non-traded REITs, doesn't put them a variable annuity or an in, what is it called, uh, an index annuity or you know all these horrible things uh, because they don't want the hassle. And they might charge them a percentage under assets. Uh, they might charge uh, an hourly fee. But that'll be transparent, and you know you're paying for it instead of paying on a 5.75% load for a lousy fund that charges you 1.2% a year and so forth and so on. So I think that net-net, this is a big benefit. I agree it didn't go far enough. Uh, in fact, you could see yesterday or two days ago, I guess, in the, the, the stocks of companies that sell these things right. popped because the law was not as strict as it probably should have been. But still, uh, on balance, it's better than it was before. I, look, it is the right thing to do. There's no question. But even in the example that you just gave, the annuities and the index, equity index annuities, et cetera, those will be insurance products. They'll be sold outside and they won't still be applied necessarily to the fiduciary standard. This will make it easier to sue an advisor, and it will allow you to get to sue the advisor without having to go through the arbitration slash mediation process, and that 
is massive. And that's been the thing that has not really been covered here, is that what this does from the standpoint of a consumer who has sold a bad bill of goods is it gives you much more recourse. And that's the recourse that's going to actually hold some advisors' feet to their fire. But it's not. If you've got a bad advisor out there, this is not going to stop somebody from going rogue. And and that ultimately has always been rogue. The yeah, if you've got an advisor, well, you, 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 it sounds horrible, Paul, but it's a, it, it truly is. I've talked to plenty of people over the last 20 years when I've been writing about personal finance issues who were with a guy who was just fine. And then suddenly the guy had whatever he had done that started putting something in the wrong way, started doing something, running a Ponzi scheme or selling you know, properties that, that were not part of anything he was doing that he didn't really have the right – rights to or any of those sorts of things when a guy goes crooked you can do all the background checks and everything else if a guy goes crooked on you you're only going to find out when it's too late and this doesn't stop somebody from going crooked no i I don't think there's ever going to be anything that does it strikes me as like you know as much as these rules might be you know the right steps it still comes down to the individual and their responsibility to protect you know their retirement savings and their investments and, you know, the government's not going to be able to fully ever probably stop that. Yeah. Exactly. And it just, you know, I know I'm, this is so tilting at windmills, it's it's almost worthless to even bring it up. But, again, it just makes me question how appropriate it is for a lot of people in this country to have their life savings, retirement savings, whatever, tied up in a stock market that they don't really understand and can't really figure out. I just... I'm sorry. You're never going to convince me that a 401k is the best way to to save for retirement. Yeah, I just, wouldn't argue with that. That's just how I feel. I, I but really I do. still tell people to use them because, yeah. unfortunately, there's nothing better right, right. now. Right. Well, yeah, look, the, the the laws are skewed to get us to use them. Right. I mean, that's it. They want you to use it. They They work the tax laws to make you use it. You use it. But is it the best thing? I, I personally don't think so. Well, but what would you – that's fine. But what is it – what is better than a 401K that exists today that you could get? Well, because right, and, and that's, that's the that, that's the thing. you like democracy. Right. You, you said <laughs> – you said – It's the worst form of government in the right. world except for every other. Well, you said – you said that exists today. I mean, once upon a time, there were government bonds that paid a decent rate of interest, and you could invest in those. They don't exist today. So it's it's even worse. There are no good alternatives. I agree with you. Corporate bonds, maybe, you know, good luck. You, know, you can't figure out common equity. Good luck figuring out the corporate bond market. I know. I know. I, 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 I know. Like, it's not just that 401ks are just stocks either. Right. I mean, you can have a corporate bond. You yeah, know, you can no. have bond. Well, it's, again, this is why I said I feel like I'm tilting at windmills. I don't think it's a very good option, but I don't know what a better option I mean, like, is. you know, like pension funds, you know, basically everyone's. You know, every company's gotten rid of that. That right. was, right. you know, you know, if you went back 50 years, that was the primary retirement. For and and the key difference there, well, obviously it was defined um, payment instead yeah. of a defined contribution. But but the, the sort of the technical thing is that with the pension plan, it wasn't a lottery as to when you start work and when you retire. You know, right, right now with a yes. 401k, right. if your timing is right, you know, you're, it's great. No, and, exactly. and if your timing is right. bad, you get destroyed. Oh, and and forget, that's a huge flaw. Forget the idea of ever having a savings account that paid anything in interest, you know, well, Forget that. That is just that's you know that's horse and buggy days. 
Uh, all right, we got we're getting we got to wrap this one up here. We got to take a quick break because we have an important message. We will be back on the other side of it. Hi, this is Kevin Sitzemong. This is Beth Cracklauer. Check us out on the Off Duty podcast. We talk about food, cocktails, all of the finer things in life. Check us out at wsj.com/podcast and become a subscriber on iTunes. WSJ Podcasts. Listen ambitiously. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Food Fight, everybody. WSJ.com. For more podcasts, check us out at WSJ.com slash podcasts. Become a subscriber on iTunes, Stitcher, and now Spotify. And follow us on Twitter at WSJ Podcasts. Uh, Jack Otter raising a finger. You got, I do you got want to make to... one point because we all we all have criticisms of four hundred one ks, and the danger is that a young person listening to us will use that point. as an excuse to not invest. To not oh, do anything. I heard sure. these guys at the Wall sure. Street Journal say they're bad. There's this horrible video out there by James Ulchicher, um, which says that you should never invest in your four hundred one k. You should invest in yourself, whatever the hell that means. Right. And I wrote an. I went off the rails in a blog post. <laughs> People can look up. Um, going James after used to him. write for us. Yeah. 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 Uh, going after him for that. Um, not because they're perfect, but because not investing in them is a horrible, much, much, much worse fate <laughs> of eating yeah. dog food in retirement than you know putting stuff in an imperfect vehicle for 40 years and then retiring with a nice little nest egg. No, no. Uh, the biggest problem we have right now is the lack of money. I mean, I think there was some stat, we were talking about this earlier, of people between the ages of 40 and 50 or something like that that have like $14,000 right, right. for retirement. Right. And how, you know, just that is just nowhere near what they need. I think they... Uh, that's not even enough for one year yeah. of retirement. That's nothing. That's literally nothing. I mean, the difference, <laughs> seriously, the difference You're between right. a $15,000 retirement income at age 65 or 67 or whatever and zero is nothing. You, you can't live on it. You just can't do it. Right. So, Chuck, well, were you going to, were you hopping well, in? I was just, I, ultimately, the other side is that we can, we can talk about 401ks. And again, there's sort of like democracy. It's the worst form of investing in the yeah. world, perhaps, except for every other. But the fact is that if you've got a 401k that has a match, that's free money. And you don't find that anywhere right. in the market. And you right. can talk all you want about, oh, it's bad for people to be having to do this when they don't understand it. It's far worse for people to miss the match. My sister, for many years, ran a very small business, and she put in a 401k, and she had to work very hard to get most of the employees to do it. And, and when she did, the vast majority of them weren't picking – they were picking the safest possible, hey, we're, we're putting in very little, and it's not going to grow to very much. And you can talk about how it's bad. The one thing that they got out of it was they got the match. Right. And the match was you know, a 25% return, which was guaranteed, and you were going to be able to set that aside. And there aren't that many places that you can get returns as good as you're going to get on the match. And that's ultimately the biggest reason why for most people a 401k at least when they are actively working and can get a match if they're lucky is but, is huge but the other pro- the other thing that should be noted is the number of people who don't put in the amount to get the full match they're uh, the amount yeah. that you know people regularly leave money on the table with that match and people should and, you know, take I, advantage to, of it to to get back to my original point about one reason why i think they're so shoddy and i agree with everything you guys are saying you're absolutely right i mean if you're company offers you one and you're not using it you're right chuck you are absolutely losing money the and i think it gets back to the original point you were making is you have to educate yourselves and i think the problem is a lot of people think a 401k is automatic and they don't have to do any research on their own and they don't have to follow it at all you have to make some decisions and you have to have some sense of what you're investing in most people don't even understand what the management fees are and how much they're losing because of that so just these days you don't have to do a whole lot 
These days, you have to do something, though. will start to do it for you automatically, and they'll put you into a life cycle fund, and you'll be fine. And it won't necessarily be exciting, yeah. but a life cycle fund will probably do the right things. The problem is that people think, hey, my company is kicking in a little bit of money for me, so that's good enough. I can, I can go a while without it. And that's ultimately the rest of the problem is that paying no attention to it other than making sure you're setting aside as much as you can is, is you know, not great management, but it's probably okay in this day and age where they're not putting you in the money market fund as the default choice. They're right. putting you into something that's got a chance of growing. All right, let's uh, let's switch gears a little bit. This was very interesting. We didn't expect to do this, folks. This came out of uh, this was organic. It was extremely <laughs> organic. Uh, let's talk for a few minutes, though, about this other big story this week, which is the the, the Panama Papers, which, uh, if you haven't heard, was a a leaked set of documents, about eleven million documents, out of one law firm, uh, um, Mossack Fonseca, based in Panama, huge. Huge leak and a well, huge no, I mean, insight into the world of tax havens. They, I mean, they were literally calling it, and I think it is from a just a pure, you know, computer file storage right. standpoint, the biggest you know data leak uh, in history. Right, right. In terms of size, yeah. In, in terms of impact? actual impact, yeah. to, to be seen. I mean, right now, listen. Definitely not the biggest. Listen, if you're if you're uh, the Icelandic prime minister, it had a big impact. And there's so many. What is it? Eleven point eleven and a half million documents. Yeah. Right. Here, so here's the thing. They're still digging through it. Can we, oh, together, yeah. can we put together a pool on what poor bastard in the United States who probably was investing in Latin American real estate because they were originally from that part of the world or something along those lines is going to wind up being caught and going to jail as a tax cheat? when most of this stuff is big. There's going to be one guy, eventually, that they want to say, hey, with this data leak, we can send this one guy to jail for tax evasion, even though most of this was about tax dodging on a much bigger scale. There'll be corporations worldwide. There's going to be one poor guy who gets it here, isn't there? You mean you the fall guy? The, the, the sacrificial, yeah. Yeah, it's, the it's sacrifice to guy. the mob? Exactly. Yeah. It's going to be one small guy that nobody's heard of. He's going to wind up going to jail for this. Isn't, isn't well, that well, when you read the story what you think is going to happen? Well, you know, and that, that's – that's, well, I mean, that's sort of what happened politically. I mean, you had you right. know, the head, uh, China's leader. You had Putin. You, and, and the guy who gets you know, ousted is the – Well, and now it has minister. entered U.S. politics. I don't know if you guys have heard, but John Podesta apparently has – some kind of a distant link to a Russian bank mentioned in this. <laughs> so we're going to hear about it for the rest of the campaign. Well, I, you know, nice. I, here, here's the thing. The thing that the question is, the real question is, and it gets to the, the point of, you know, 11 and a half million documents. What does it really say? What does it really illustrate? How, what is it telling people that they don't know? Those are questions that it's going to take a long time to. And what are the social ramifications of this? I mean, I think. From like from my perspective, like we don't know because it's not all out there yet. Um, however, right now it's sort of uh, there's a little bit of navel gazing at how the you know the rich and powerful and right. where they hide their money and put their money and stuff like that. But you know, has it had you know kind of the impact of you know like when you know Snowden or something like that? Uh, not yet. Um, and if anything, it shows also if you look and, and Ken Brown wrote this column for us this week that it's, you know, the crackdown on privacy and, the, you know, sort right. of secrecy and banking 
has slowed this, the business of this law firm down dramatically. Right, right. Over I the mean, past several years. Yeah, I mean, they, it has decreased, uh, you know, steadily. Right, before this. And that's the thing, I think. A lot of the documents are old. They date back to the 70s, to the law firm's founding, you know. Yeah. So I think part of this, you know, look, you've seen some heads roll. You may see some others. But I, to me, the biggest impact this is going to have is, is going to be a social impact. I mean, you already have a huge rift in inequality. You already have a huge rift between the masses and the elites. I, you know, there is a reason why Donald Trump is hitting such a raw nerve. How does this play into all of that? And how does this the next time you get some politician up there who's extremely rich and everybody knows it and they go off about there's no money in the government. How many people are going to be so cynical about that message? Because they know now that you have this massive infrastructure that is a global and is just geared towards keeping rich people from having to pay taxes. Well, I mean that—that's. I mean the question I and that's going to be a long-standing well, thing. I mean, right now, I mean, like, I mean, we haven't. And, and, and the editors of the newspapers that got this, say right. that we are not one of them. We should point right. out the German newspapers suggested that there are, there's going to be more information yes. coming in in U.S. You know, people will be you know right because very few right U.S. Now, people were named one. in the initial leak. Right, and so it's like you know, so the social impact in the United States. I mean. I don't know. I'm, actually, I'm, I'm really talking about it on a global level. I mean, this is going to all these countries. This is going to happen everywhere. And there's not going to be no impact here in the U.S. And the Trump well, phenomenon is actually going on in Europe as well. We're not right. really aware no, of it. No, no, right. The, the be, same because, thing exists over there. And we, do we, do we, I think we had a story about this, too, because the reality is that in the United States, they don't have to go to Panama to, <laughs> to get a law firm to do their tax havens because they have Delaware, North Dakota, why, there are states in the United States yes. that perform the same function. Well, we're listed yep. as right. tax havens. Right. But you're better, off, you're better off going to the Cook Islands, and more of the folks will say, let's go there instead of Panama now. Yeah. I mean, the Cook Islands, which are off the coast of New Zealand somewhere, where they don't recognize U.S. jurisdiction, and people do what's called an asset protection trust. And ultimately, what's going to truly happen is that, that – you know, ever since the Nixon administration, the words no comment mean I'm guilty in this country in terms of the <laughs> court of public opinion. And what's going to happen now is that, oh, you felt the need to do something offshore, you're guilty. You're, you're a tax cheat. You're right. doing whatever. And that's going to happen no matter what your reasoning was, no matter how logical it might be, no matter if the person, if they were presented with your situation, would say, yes, I would do the same thing. And that's going to be whether it's these folks or, like I said, as a protection trust, you don't have to be exceptionally rich to go, wait, I, I'm in some business where I might get sued, and if I get sued, I want to protect my assets. And so, you know, I, I create this trust that automatically transfers them to a jurisdiction where good luck going to get my money, um, et cetera, which happens to people. I, I know guys who are not super rich who have those. So I think you're ultimately going to be in a spot where, yeah, anybody who sort of has anything like that, no matter what it is, no matter how much people do or don't understand it, yep, you're guilty. Right. You're doing something wrong, because if you weren't doing something wrong, why would you have gone to Panama? Yeah. That's going to be the public, right. public reaction. Right. All right. Uh, let's leave it there, because we've got to wrap this up. But both these stories – you got something know. else, Grosser? Oh, okay. You made a little hand gesture. Well, I mean, I, I, I just – I question it. That's all. I mean, you know, the, the actual long-term impact of this. I question. That's okay. all. That, hey, like, I mean, that's like, legitimate. Listen, that's legitimate. Like, listen, like Romney, you know, used tax havens to lower his tax rate. And that came out when he was a president. You know, 
I think everyone knows that this is what goes yeah. on. You and know, it's not he, he did lose. You know, uh, he did lose. <laughs> he did lose that election. Yeah, but I'm not suggesting there's some bigger impact. I just think that what will happen if you I was more to Paul, but 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 if you wind up thinking about this for say the young politician out there, the guy who you know just got elected to Congress and he's 30 years old and he comes from a relatively wealthy family. Yeah, he's going to be a lot more circumspect than the Romney family ever was about what they do with their tax havens going forward if he has eyes on the big price. There you, you go. you got to assume it's going to change right. some of that. Yeah, because, I, I agree. Yeah, I agree because with the you. next number of years, they won't pass it off as, well, yeah, that tax haven thing made sense because you come from a really wealthy family and you've made a lot of money. That's not what's going to happen. In the yeah. court of public opinion, it's going to be you went someplace that – the only reason you would have gone there is because you wanted to shield it all, right. and that's illegal. Right. Although, when it us. comes to greed versus common sense, because I might run for president in 20 years, I think we know what wins. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, that that's a good point. That's a good point. All right, let's leave it on that note, Jack Otter. Great note. Everyone, thank you for listening to The Food Fight. Have a great weekend, and we will talk to you. We'll talk with you, talk at you next week. <laughs>